In a not-so-stable world, it is crucial to amplify the right message. At the Stream Grace Network, our goal is to do just that. We are adding to our stable of podcasters every month, and we are growing. This is where you come in. We want to share in that growth. If you are a small business owner looking to grow your business, we'd love it if you'd consider allowing one of our podcasters to endorse you, your products, or services. The best part is that endorsement will never stop running in any episode it is a part of, ever. This is a unique and rare benefit in digital advertising. We want everything we do to be uplifting and to encourage positive growth. And we'd love to partner with you. For more information, visit us online at StreamGrace.com or email us at support at StreamGrace.com. God bless. You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Thanks for joining us on the Renewed You Podcast. We're here to help you discover how mental, physical, and spiritual health combine to help you live your best life. We want to give you hope, tools, and encouragement because the world needs a renewed you. Now, here's your host, John Yule. Hello and welcome to the Renewed You Podcast. I am John Yule and I pastor New Life Church in South Oklahoma City. And uh, New Life is proud to sponsor this podcast. If you would like to find out more information about New Life Church, we ask that you visit our website at newlifeokc.org. And of course, you're listening to the Stream Grace Network. We encourage you to visit streamgrace.com where you can see all the podcasts that we have available currently on our network. And there are more being added all the time. So you found a great place to find content that will help strengthen your life. Now, our goal at Renewed You is to present stories that can help us live healthy mentally, spiritually, and physically, because you got to heal all three parts of your being in order to really renew your life. And today, I am honored to have a a good friend with me, another pastor. Um, But before I introduce him, I want those of you that are listening today that... um, as I was praying this morning, um, I just feel like people that are listening today, you need to know that everybody has suddenly things that happen in their life that they didn't see coming. And so many times those suddenlies that hit us can derail us. Uh, they can fill us with anger. They can uh, cause us to doubt things that we have always thought or believed. But yet it's in those moments where things are pressed that we find out what we really do value, what we really do believe. And I want to introduce you to a guy who has lived that. I watched him live through this. It impressed me um, how how he walked through a very uh, tough time in his life. And I think his story is going to inspire you today. My friend and guest today is Pastor Justin Blankenship. How you doing, Justin? Doing good, John. Thank you for having me on, man. It's an honor and a privilege. And uh known each other for many years and uh, our families know each other. You stayed in my parents' home in Mississippi. And uh, so anyway, just great to be able to connect and so proud of all that you're doing, reaching so many people through this podcast. Well, thanks, man. Um, well, Justin, you already said you're from Mississippi. Give us a little background on you, where you're from, kind of uh, how you got started in ministry. Um, grew up in a preacher's home. So I'm a preacher's kid and uh, 
one of the ones that actually like church. I think sometimes you have some preacher's kids that, you know, kind of get tired of it, but I, I've, I've always honestly just enjoyed it, but, uh, began to preach when I was about 13 years old and, uh, went to, came to Bible college, a school in Bethany, Oklahoma, Southwestern Christian university in 1999. And, uh, so grew up, you know, good family, only child, um, had a, a good upbringing, came to college and really just, uh, met God there in a new way. Um, I didn't realize I me. Mean, I've been saved since I was about seven years old, but I'd never really, I didn't realize how much I relied on my parents' faith. And in college was really this place of God stripping me down and trying to see what I really believe for myself and um, really just met God there. And, 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 and my life was changed in a lot of great ways and ended up going and, and starting to pastor um, about 13 years ago in Purcell, Oklahoma. I never thought I moved from a small town in Mississippi to Oklahoma City, where I lived for eight and a half years and never saw myself going back to a small town. But now I live in the Purcell, which is about the same size as the town I grew up in Mississippi. And uh, so anyway, pastor a church there, Landmark Church, and just enjoy. Um, I love, I'm close enough to Norman, Oklahoma, if you're familiar with Oklahoma. And we're about 15 minutes away. So it's got about 100,000 people, got restaurants, the mall. But uh, the only traffic we have in Purcell is when a tractor comes through town and <laughs> it blocks everything. So anyway. Well, Mississippi, I love Mississippi because I spent, have spent many years doing stuff with your family. Yes. And uh, the the uh, camp down there mm-hmm. with the young people got to yes stay at your house which is a beautiful house by the way it is and uh, my parents built that after i left though oh so, yeah. oh yeah, yeah really so after i graduated i grew up in a small parsonage and literally they doubled the size of the house my dad's joke is um when you left um, we, we pay, quit paying your grocery bill we could afford a house, a house payment <laughs> so anyway they literally did it was funny because we we grew up in a real small parsonage and then when i left uh, my dad's been at the church 46 years he's been there a long time so at that time he'd been there 25 years so he wanted a, his own home and so anyway but they always laugh at him they, they built this beautiful house after I left home. So, well, I will tell you, Justin's dad is a great preacher. I I enjoy listening to him and enjoyed getting to speak at yeah. his church as mm-hmm. well. Um, but uh, Mississippi is a great place. It is a lot of lot of great great people have come out of there. Um, but it seems like young people that are raised in that environment over there come to Oklahoma City. And then yeah. they kind of get stuck, yeah. you know, but um, it seems like maybe that's changing with uh, some people that are yeah. getting a heart back for that state. It is. I've seen some people migrate back uh, there recently and um, which I'm glad I love it. Mm-hmm. I, I miss the people and, and, you know, just miss being there um, so much about it. But I, I just, you know, I felt like this is where I'm supposed to be. But every time it's funny, I've been gone 21 years, but um, every time I go home, people say, when are you coming back? <laughs> and my mom used to tell people for about seven or eight years, I was in college. And I said, mom, they're going to think I can't graduate. Quit saying I'm in college. <laughs> I'm actually living in Oklahoma city now. But, right. uh, but anyway, it is a great place. I know you met, you've had a huge impact on the youth. Um, the youth camps, they, they talk about that all the time. So well, we had a good time. Yeah. What is one thing for some people that have never been to Mississippi? Maybe the only thing that they think of when they think of Mississippi is like Ole Miss and Mississippi yeah. State football. What is one thing you do miss from um, home? I'll tell you three if that's okay. okay. I'll tell you, number one, I miss tall pine trees. Oh, that's true. Um, Oklahoma it's, has big bushes. And especially where your house is, it yeah. is that is a beautiful view. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just miss the. I love the trees. Um, I miss grits. 
um, <laughs> and uh, and boiled peanuts. I have to say it correctly. I say boiled peanuts. People laugh at me here, but boiled peanuts. Boiled. I miss those those three things. Are probably just and you can get grits here at some places, but anyway, it it's not the same. same. So, but it's funny. My dad's from Oklahoma originally. And my mom was from Denver. They met in college and moved there just to pastor. So he knew nothing. So he gets there and they say, do you want to try some grits? And he said, sure, I'll have one. And he had no idea what it was. <laughs> so anyway, so a lot of people have no idea. Um, but uh, um, I do miss those three things the most probably. I, I uh, experienced a lot of things for the first time in Mississippi. Yeah. Let me tell you the one that I experienced for the first time that um, uh, sounded incredibly gross to me. The lady right. who's like the mama over there of uh-huh. the, of the youth ministry. Um, she said, you're going to try this. And so chocolate gravy, yeah, yeah. explain chocolate gravy to people. It was funny though. My dad actually in South Oklahoma had had that growing up, but here in, in the central part, you don't see it. And the chocolate gravy is real thin. It's not like, uh, well, some people make it almost like a pudding, but mm-hmm. the one that she makes, her, hers may be that way. My dad makes it sometimes and it's real thin, but it's almost like a chocolate pudding, but it's warm and you put it, it's just milk and cocoa and butter basically. So it's, See, it's all, sugar, it's all the great food sugar, ingredients you exactly. need right there to have a good morning and poured it over biscuits. And- exactly. I mean, so so go and Google chocolate gravy and uh, try it. I know it sounds weird, but it looks good. I mean, it yeah, tastes good no matter does. what it looks like. And, and a lot of the food in Mississippi is kind of weird, but because the, the Mississippi has always been a pretty impoverished uh, state, yeah. a lot of the stuff that they have was because they didn't have anything else. So things like grits and boiling peanuts and stuff like that, chocolate gravy. I mean, it was an alternative to have, so you didn't eat the same thing all the time. But I mean, cocoa and you know flour and sugar wasn't, you, you had that around your house. So anyway, but um, so a lot of people when they go to the places have never tried it, but yeah, you get there and it's Anyway, it's it was always good. We, my mom didn't make it much. My dad actually, the only thing he can cook was that. So every once in a while, he would break that out and try to make it. So well, Mississippi's a great place. And uh, then you came here. You went to school at Southwestern Christian University. And then when you graduated, uh, talk to me a little bit about the season in your life where you got involved in helping churches get started pretty much all over the United States, right? Yeah, yeah we worked for um, a denomination, IPHC Ministries, and I worked there in their church planning department. And so we would put on conferences um, and church planning schools. Um, and then we also would just help fund church plants and get them started. So yes, we'd do everything literally from coast to coast. We'd have conferences and we would have schools and uh um, some of the people, I remember we, we had one in Birmingham a couple times, or actually it was in Atlanta, but, uh, before, uh, Chris, pastor Chris Hodges was <clears throat> real well known and, and he, he still could do some other things. Now I know he's so busy with everything. Right. He actually came to one of our schools and taught. So we had some top notch guys would come in and spend a week, but I love just building relationships with church planners. And, uh, I know, Planning a church is, you know, so difficult because you're just, I mean, you're starting with nothing, trying to build. You have this dream. So I love just being able to talk to them, encourage them, and minister to them. So some great relationships were formed. I was there three and a half years before I went to pastor, but some great relationships were formed during that time. But for a kid from Crystal Springs, Mississippi, it had to be a blast to travel. Oh, oh yeah, it was. It was. When I got actually got asked to pastor this church, it was not on my radar because I love what I did. I mean, we did. We would go, you know, six or eight times a year. Um, it wasn't every month, but six or eight times a year. You're traveling once again from San Francisco to New York, um, you know, all over the place. And, oh, yeah, getting experienced things I'd never experienced before. So it was a lot of fun. It was it was good. A lot of good memories. 
Well, um, so you go from there and um, you go and you pastor a church in small town America. Yeah. Um, what what was that transition like for you? Um, it was about a big a change as you could probably explain to somebody. I grew up in a church that was Pentecostal, but but probably more charismatic, I would call it. Um, and and so what I was used to, the style of service, I mean, we grew up singing um, hymns, some and choruses, that kind of thing. But I went to a church where, um, and nothing wrong with any of this, it was yeah. just a very different style. Sure. And so I, I jokingly say they had sit and sing because it was literally, I mean, when I, the church I went to pastor in Purcell, there was about 40 people, but the worship time was literally sit down, somebody stands up opens a hymn, we'll turn to this page. We all sing it and then they stop and turn to the next one. So it was just very different. And and also um, growing up, you know, we were kind of dressed up for church, but it was, you know, it could be casual. Um, went to Oklahoma City where everybody was pretty casual all the time. Went to Purcell. I was wearing suit and ties twice, you know, uh, on Sundays. Um, and mainly, mainly because I wanted to honor these people. And I, I knew with time things would change, but um, I didn't want to go in there just like and, and just say, I'm going to blow up what you did because these people had given their hearts and lives to this church. And so, anyway, just went there and said, I'm just going to love on these people. And so I kind of just try to first kind of fit into what they did at first. Um, and so it's over time, things began to change, but it was a huge difference from what. What I was used to, the kind mm-hmm. of churches I'd been to, um, you know, I I was used to visiting bigger churches, and so you go from this to a church of forty people, and I I was twenty seven years old. Um, we had one family that had two little kids. They came every other week, and then we had a couple teenagers with one family, and that was it. Everybody else was over probably forty five years old, so mm-hmm. everybody else was, you know, I was by far the youngest person there. And uh, it, it's amazing the difference. I mean, Purcell, like you said, is what, 15 miles or so yeah. from Norman, which is, what do you think, our third or fourth largest city in the state? Yeah, what, I think what it's do you third. Think? Third? Yeah, after Tulsa, Oklahoma City, Tulsa, and then Norman. And I mean, Norman is is a great city. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of people live in Norman and work in Oklahoma City. Right. So it, it's more of an urban feel, even though it's south. And then you guys are 15 miles away, and it's like tractors driving down the street yeah. are you serious well it's it's weird um you know one thing when we were doing church planning one of the things they would talk about was cultural like or, or barriers there's just culture barriers but there's also physical barriers where people may not want to drive over an interstate because to them that's another part of town so right. you know when you're planting looking at those things and we have the i think i believe it's the South Canadian River. I know it's Canadian. I think it's South Canadian River that goes just south of Norman, and it's it's literally like an agricultural barrier because once you pass that, you're into Goldsby, Washington area, and then Purcell, and all of that is more um, agriculture. A lot. Purcell is actually the quarter horse capital of the world. Um, or at one time it was, really? and and most people don't know. It. I didn't know it. I was in Mississippi actually. Told somebody where I'd moved to, and there are horse people there, and they were telling me this, and I said I lived there and didn't know it, but there's all kinds of farms outside ranches outside of Purcell with horses and you know cows and that kind of stuff so I will say in the last 13 years I've come to understand agriculture way better I still you know dress like I live in the city but um hunting and looking at stuff I mean it's funny how I, I can you know I can get around that stuff now because I've been there long enough and they've taught me a lot of stuff so yeah yeah well cool um so you went there as you were 27 mm-hmm. and um 
Let's see. I got married at 24. So what was your relationship status at that I, point? I was single. And that was the other you were thing. You were single. I was single. Single, not dating, not married, never been married, uh, 27 years old. So um, when they actually asked me, I told them, I said, I'm young and single. Do you have any idea? I don't think you want me to be your pastor. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, so anyway, they they voted me in, and that that was a system there. They voted me in to be the pastor. So anyway, but, I, you know, it was funny. One of our our oldest congregant, lady, she came to me one day, and sweet lady, she went on later on after she passed away. They actually donated her house to the church, and her family has been great to our church and just wonderful. But Gladys was in her 80s, and she said, I want you to meet my son. And I said, okay. She goes, he's about your age, and I'm thinking, you must have had, unless you had a child and right. like later on. So I said, Gladys, how old is he? And she said, he's in his fifties. I said, Gladys, I'm 27. She said, you are? I said, you didn't know you were voting in a youth pastor, did you? Uh, yeah. She said, no. But anyway, I was, I was young, my first pastorate. So, you know, I, I'll say young and dumb, just, you know, you don't know any better. Just kind of jump in and do whatever, you know, and, sure. and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and just kind of, it's kind of a ride. But anyway. It sometimes that feels like it was funny. I was telling the church the other day, I just celebrated 13 years and I just got up and thanked everybody because they had um, just said congratulations. And I was telling them sometimes that feels like a lifetime ago and sometimes mm-hmm. it feels like yesterday. But it's weird how, you know, in, with time, you know, things change. But I did. Sure. I was young, 27, single. So 27 and you're a preacher's kid, which I mean, we both know that I am. Right. And sometimes preacher's kids, you know, we kind of stray in the commitment level in certain yeah. areas. Uh, but you held true on yours 27 I, years. Yeah. 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 Hadn't been I with did. anybody. No, I had not. Yeah. Um, yeah. obviously had to be wanting to have a family. And sure. Wanting, sure. Um, sure. So did, how did God bring this person into your life? Well, I got to the place where, um, honestly I was so focused on ministry in the church that, it sounds weird, but that was like the last thing on my mind for a long time. I just, I mean, um, I, like I said, jumped in, began to pastor and sure. um, I dated in college and nothing had ever come of those relationships. And, and then it, and it's weird, you know, college, even though it was a small school, there was a bigger pool of people to have right. relationships with. Well, when you go from that to a church where you're the youngest person, there's nobody even you know close to your age really. So dating became even more difficult. So I finally got to the place to where, and we had, in the meantime, the church had begun to grow and we moved locations. And, and so I found myself, I mean, the church was doing well. Um, everything else was good about my life, but I was single. And I, and so I really just began to really seek God. And it, not that I hadn't before about that, but it, it's weird um, in my life, whenever, like I said, I can, I'll pray about things, but there's something about turning your focus and really your attention towards something and where you can just mm-hmm. tell there's something inside of you that right. is really, and so that I really just began to say, okay, Lord, if you want me to be married, you're gonna have to send somebody to me. Cause I, that my, my joke is, you know, what do you, I mean, like there was no, there's no pastors only.com right. or anything, <laughs> you know, or, um, uh, you know, or where do you find a pastor? I mean, not that you would go like to a club or a bar anyway to find a, a, a spouse, right. but I mean, it's kind of like, you know, where do you go look for a pastor's wife? I mean, there's not anywhere. And, you know, and so I, I was just like, you know, what do I do? So I said, Lord, you're going to have to send somebody to me if you want this to happen. And so, um, that's what, that's what happened. Somebody came to the church. You can go ahead and say that part or. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, yeah. So on a Sunday, a uh, young lady came to the church and, um, you know, met her and her family and we, you know, hit it off, started coming to the church and we started dating. And then, um, you know, what's cool about that? Um, I don't know if I've ever told you this, um, cause I really wasn't sure until the event that we're going to get to in a minute transpired. 
she was in my youth group in Yukon, Oklahoma. Oh, you know what? I, you're right. And, you're right. Uh, so you're right. That I was kind of wild. Forgot about I'd, that. Yeah. Yes. I'd, so anyway, so she came to your church. She came yeah. visiting, and uh, so continue. She came visiting her and her family, and um, visited for a while. I mean, this was. I'm trying to think. I don't. It's it's been a few years now. So sometimes the de- the dates get wrong. But um, anyway, she attended for a while. Then we started dating, and then um, in 2014 in July, we ended up getting engaged. So it was the kind of thing, you know, just felt like, I mean, she met my family and everybody hit it off and everybody thought it was a, you know, a great thing. Everybody did. I mean, Facebook blew up our network of Facebook friends. We were all excited for Justin, you know, and it's uh, about time. People people were putting that kind of stuff, you know, prayers finally answered that kind of stuff. But so you got engaged and I got engaged and got married in November. And so um, it was it was kind of a joke. I got married at 33. I, I turned 34 a couple of days later. But the the joke was that Jesus died at 33, so I was going to give up my single life at uh, 33 years old. Go. So anyway, so I was 33 almost, literally a couple of days later, 34. So I was young. Um, I mean, I, I was still fairly young. But anyway, I waited th- 33 years, and you know, did things the right way mm-hmm. as far as you know, waiting for somebody right. to be married and all these years. So anyway, 33 years I waited, found this person and then we got married and, uh, and you so got married, uh, when November or December, November, November yeah. Yeah. of 2016, 14, 14, 2014. Yeah. And, uh, so you waited all this time, your church, the church that God's given you is really growing, right. doing well. Um, you've, you found this person you were, yeah. I mean, man, things had to feel like life was just set and ready to go right. on autopilot oh, yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially, uh, I'll, I'll tell the next part because it makes sense of that. But um, we, because of my age, I mean, I was older, thirty-three years old. Um, that we decided we want to go ahead and try to have kids, whatever the Lord wanted. But you know, so within us being married of like seven weeks, we found out we were she was pregnant. It was very, very quickly. Right. Matter of fact, I went to the doctor and I was like. To explain to me because I said I know I know the old ladies at the church are gonna be you know counting their fingers right. and all this kind of stuff. So anyway, we're we're gonna be, but uh, but we got married, got pregnant very quickly, and so I got up in December, last Sunday of the year, and I mean I said 2015 is gonna be the greatest year. I mean we're at my parents were in, were there visiting. We made this announcement we're gonna have a kid, and I said 2015 is gonna be the greatest year. We're adding to our family, and you're right. I mean everything looked like it was. I mean finally everything had come together, you know, all this stuff, right. you know, cause I mean, you feel complete now in a sense because you've got a family and with church and all this stuff and, you know, everybody clapped and celebrated. So we went in 2015 with really high expectations of, of the year and, and what that was going to look like. Yeah. And then the holidays hit holidays hit. We, um, my, like I said, my parents were there visiting and it, in this time, my mom had, as was suffering with cancer. And so, um, we typically, my mom's from Denver all my life up till that point, we had gone to Denver, Colorado, except one year they had all come to Mississippi. We'd gone there every single year for Christmas. That was our tradition. Mom didn't feel well enough to make that trip there. She made it to Oklahoma. So they all came down here. So we have this big, we got you know, I don't know, 13 people at our house and, you know, people sleeping everywhere and, you know, that kind of stuff, celebrating all that holidays happen. And then, you know, everybody goes back home and, um, we quickly, right after that, um, we found out that, you know, we went to the doctor to try to hear a heartbeat. That was the, you know, the first thing mm-hmm. you want to hear the heartbeat of the baby. So went to one doctor's visit and the doctor said, I don't, there's something seems off here. So they sent us to, um, 
a place is actually in, in Moore. It was the makeshift hospital at the time. It's there now. But anyway, it was uh, because of the tornado turned torn down the hospital. So they send us to this building. Never forget because it was kind of walking up there. The uh, It was hard to kind of get in, you know, everything, see where to go because it was these makeshift buildings. We go in, do an ultrasound, and they tell us there's no heartbeat of the baby. Whoa. And so that was a very um, – so never forget, you know, my wife's there crying, tears rolling down her eyes, and I'm trying to hold it together till we get out in the car and we break down. You know, we had to go back, call family, tell everybody. And that was on a, um, a, on a Friday that we found that out. So right after that, we had to – uh, we went to the doctor on Monday to find out what to do. The doctor says you need to told her she need to have a DNC just mm-hmm. to make sure there's you know um, there's nothing there. So we have to we have to do this procedure. So on Wednesday we got up early in the morning, went to Oklahoma City, and she had a DNC. Um, immediately they they me and her mother, her mom had driven up there later and met me there, and we, me and her had breakfast. Go upstairs. Doctor comes out. Everything's good with the procedure. Um, you can go back there and see her in a few minutes. When we walk back there. Um, she's literally seizing up off of the bed. Not like she was having a seizure necessarily, but it was almost like somebody touching electricity or body seizing up. And they said, get out of here. You got to go. We're going to work on her. So I literally went to the door and then I turned around and I pushed my way back in and I said, I'm going to pray for my wife and I pray for her. And then they said, well, and then they said, get out of here. So we get out and the neurologist comes out and says, um, basically that, uh, that they that she was having seizures. They gave her anti-seizure med- medicine, didn't work. So they were going to put her in medical-induced coma. And then the next day they would bring her out and make sure she wasn't having seizures and that kind of stuff. So that was on a Wednesday. And so they do that, put her on medical-induced coma, put her in the ICU. And from there it was kind of a waiting game the next day. But people began to pray. People began to reach out to us. Yep. and I mean, All over the world. Literally, literally. I got messages from Africa uh, South America. I mean, um, it was just amazing. I'll, I'll never forget the outpouring of support. You, you don't realize, you know, who all people that you know or whatever that are that are that care about you until something right. like that you know, happens. People begin to cry. I remember I, I fell to my knees at the bathroom at the hospital by myself, just you know, begging God, you know, do something, please. And you know, and so anyway, she so. She, um, like I said, people came up there and visited and, and like I said, I didn't even know the connection like with you and the, some of the mm-hmm. other connections with people. I never even knew about that kind of stuff until that kind of thing happens. And then people, sure. They look through Facebook or whatever. Oh, wow. I'm friends with this person. You know, I still remember, I don't remember, you'll probably remember the day. I don't know if it was, if it was a Friday, but I remember the, um, waiting room mm-hmm. packed. Mm-hmm. With a bunch of us just in there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking five or ten. I'm talking a bunch of people. Seventy people. Seventy people. We were mm-hmm. crammed in there praying off and on. Yeah. Um that was on Saturday. Um You know, it, one side note is it's sad that it takes tragedy to bring that out of us sometimes. Right. right you right. know, maybe we should be more thoughtful. Right. But that had to be encouraging. I mean, it er- was everything was going great. Twenty fifteen is gonna be a great year. Then you get that word about something's not right. And then there's no heartbeat and then this, and now your wife's in a medically induced coma. You're breaking down. Uh, surely you had to have gotten angry with God. Well, the truth is, and I think, um, you know, if we don't talk about our emotions with things like this, I, I think growing up, I, I, I didn't ever hear this from my dad necessarily, but I think people that I grew up around, it was kind of this idea of you never question God. Right. You never ask. And, you know, as I've read like the Psalms for myself, if you're going to take the question, if you're not going to question God, then you just need to rip the Psalms out of your Bible because David is, 
you know, saying, you know, why is this happening to me? Or why are, why are the righteous suffering? Or why are the wicked prospering? Yeah. You know, and all these kind of questions. So, yes, it was very much, um, you know, okay, God, I don't understand what you're doing in this, you know. And 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 even as time went on, because just to, I'll finish this because I can go into that. But part of the thing was, I mean, through that, I'm praying. But then on Saturday, with all those people gathered there, um, she passes away. Yeah. So we were married 12 weeks and she dies. And that, the question is, okay, God, you know, why? I mean, what, what was your purpose? You know, what, what is the reason what's going on? I don't, you know, I don't understand. And, um, I never forget one time literally in my house by myself, because that was the hard part. I mean, not only did you lose somebody, but you know, I was, I had a family now come home into a family. Well, now I go home to by myself. And before I got married, it was a bachelor pad, smelled like a bachelor pad, looked like a bachelor pad. You know, then somebody comes in and and makes it, you know, look better and smell better. And there's people there and, you know, and all that. And then now I go back home and it's me again. And uh, I never forget the the next day I woke up. My dad was actually he flew in that day. My mom was too sick to come, but my dad flew in that day. So he was there the next day, but he was in the other part of the house. I'm in my bedroom by myself. I wake up just feeling the bed, Mm -hmm. trying to see. Um, is this a dream? Because it seemed like a bad dream. Because once again, you yeah. wait for this to happen. And yes, I mean, there was, but I'll never forget one time after everybody had left, funeral was over, that kind of stuff. I mean, I was on the floor, almost beating my hands on the carpet, just screaming, crying, saying, you know, God, why is this happening? And I think the truth is people need to be honest about their emotions. Yes. Um, I think, you know, sometimes in Christianity, we have this idea that we can't be honest or real. And I think it's caused people to not be able, not, not want to trust God or follow God because they feel like if they, if they're honest about how they feel, one thing I love about Abraham, the Bible says he considered his body as good as dead, Mm -hmm. but he trusted God. He knew naturally he could not have a child. He didn't lie and say, and, and and I think we can't lie about our emotions. When Paul says we grieve as those who have hope, Mm -hmm. he doesn't say we don't grieve. He says we grieve as those who have hope. So I think Anytime you go through a difficult time, whether it's a death of somebody, but it may be the loss of a job, it may be, you know, the death of a dream that you had, whatever it is, when you have loss in your life, um, you know, you need to grieve through that and you need to be honest about that. And I think the truth is, instead of pushing us away from God, if we're honest, those things can actually push us toward him. Most definitely. But it's the honesty there, I think, that has to happen. So, uh, yes, there was definitely times where I was angry and mad about things happening. I mean, we're, our whole world has been turned upside down in the last nine months now. Right. I mean, actually it's hard to believe we're almost, we're a few weeks away from one year yeah. with COVID in right. our culture. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of people that have lost jobs. Probably maybe you're listening to the podcast right now and you've lost loved ones and families. Maybe your business got closed. Maybe like Jay, uh, like Justin, your life was seemingly on autopilot. Mm-hmm. Everything you'd been working for and wanting was there. And then a suddenly happens and in just a matter of moments, everything is broken. And what, what you're saying, man, is so true. As I went through my own journey, Mm -hmm. um, I had to come to grips with the fact that Jeremiah was not a, he was an angry person. Right. I mean, over half of his writings was him griping at God. Right. And I think that, that I grew up very similar to you. No one said these things to me. It was just kind of ingrained, I guess, that faith meant you can't question. Right. When that's exactly the opposite. I have faith because I have questions. And and your faith is there to help you with the things that you don't know, that you don't understand. And if we can't get honest 
with ourselves and say, you know what, I'm really hurting in this area, then we can't find the faith to reach out to a strength that's greater than our own. Right. And I think healing comes when we're honest and able to, you know, admit what's going on and realize it because in that, when we're honest about it, then I think God can bring true healing to our hearts and our lives. And I think the reason a lot of people will will stay in bitterness and anger and unforgiveness is because they never they never want to be honest about how they're feeling and I think the truth is we have to be honest to be able to deal with it you have to you know it's kind of the whole thing is you, you once you admit it then you can kind of deal with the issue right. and I think for me I had to admit this is not what I planned this is not what I at the time you know wanted to happen kind of thing you know this was not what I expected to happen and so anyway I I, I agree with you I think in our society especially right now with everything people are going through. I think people have to be honest and say this isn't, I mean, we know people that have lost loved ones and, you know, recently and a variety of reasons. But anyway, all these things happening and then jobs and all of this. And I think if, if people aren't uh, honest about what they're going through, then down the road, once again, bitterness and that kind of stuff can kind of creep into our lives if we're not honest. Man, I, I, I remember standing there, um, Shander and I together, my wife, uh, with everybody else who was there, mm-hmm. um, if I think about that, I remember that image. I remember yeah. that day. It's one of those that's burned into my mind um, that um, I felt for you. And I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, we're friends, but we've never, I mean, we've played golf a couple of times together, but never been tight. And yet I was so heartbroken for you. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, within 12 weeks, you have your wife, you have a baby. So you lost a wife and a baby mm-hmm. in 12 weeks. And um, man, I know what I would do. Yeah. I would go home for a while. Yeah. But yeah. you went home for another reason. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Let me back. I want to say about about you guys being there that day. That was one of the first times in my life that I that I felt like um, I understood the meaning of the family of God in the sense that, I mean, there were people from all over places there, pastors yeah. that we know, people we know, and just standing there. I mean, when I came out after she passed away, I walked out and all these people are lined the hallway. And I mean, the doctor even told me, he said, I've never had to push my way through people to get into an ICU. So I never felt like, I mean, I mean, I'd always knew I was a part of something and I knew people or whatever, but man, for that one moment, this felt like these are my family members. I mean, these people love me. I mean, they've given their day to be here with me at one of the lowest, the lowest part of my life. You know, they're here with me. And so that was an amazing time, amazing feeling, just knowing that you guys were there with me. But yeah, I went home immediately, um, part of it to kind of recover, but also because my mom in the meantime was, she had ovarian cancer two years earlier, she'd had surgery to remove a tumor and, uh, she was battling ovarian cancer. So I'm an only child, as I said earlier. So I felt, you know, I was still pastoring the church, um, but I felt like I could, you know, thankfully they have a great church there that takes care of, took care of her and, and my dad. And I mean, we're there to pray with them. I would show up and we'd literally be having a prayer. They'd be having a prayer meeting yeah. for us at their house. And so um, they did a great job of taking care of them. But um, I wanted to be there as much as I could. So um, I went home for about a week, once again, just kind of to recover myself. And then I go back because at that time my mom was you know, conscious and everything was good. Um, but over the next eight weeks, um, you know, I would get a call. I'd be in Oklahoma and I'd get a call and say, your mom's bad. You need to get home. I jump on a plane. I fly home. 
Um, and then, you know, she would kind of recover. She was never at the hospital until the very end, but anyway, little by little, it just, you know, got worse. And then, um, at the, toward the end, I knew she got in the hospital. So me and a young man from my church, he helped me drive down there and he flew home, but he helped me drive down there. So I took my car. I was going to stay a while. Um, I was there about a week, maybe I don't remember the exact days now, but anyway, on a Saturday, um, eight weeks to the day that my wife had died, my mom died. So in nine weeks time, find out we lost a child, my wife, and then my mom and my mom. I mean, I don't mean this bad. I love my wife, but my mom, cause I obviously know my mom a lot longer. I was a mama's boy. I lived, I hadn't yeah. lived at home in 16 years. But I talked to my mom every day, and uh, she was just one of these women that had great advice, and I just loved talking to her. It might have been two minutes on the phone, but it was just, and like I said, I didn't live close to them, but um, I was a mama's boy. So just losing all of that at one time, I love my dad very much, and we're very close to this day, but there's just something about my mom that I was very close to her. And so anyway, just losing all that at one time, um, literally, I remember whenever my mom died, it was almost... I mean, I was in pain, but I'd been through so much shock and trauma, I guess you'd call it, that it was almost numb. I mean, it was, it was the, it was weird. It was, it was very, very painful. But at the same time, it was just almost like I feel like a zombie in some ways walking through that yeah. because it was just so much at, at once, um, you know, that happened. Yeah. And how, um, I just, I want to keep drilling this because sure. I think if people are listening today, um, we all experience pain. When I when I started getting healthy mentally, one of the things I had to learn from from my time in the therapist's office yeah. is everybody thinks their pain is special because it's their pain. But pain is pain. It right. really doesn't matter right. the exactly. source. Yeah. And everybody feels pain. Some people have a higher pain tolerance than others. Right. Okay. Um, but man, a wife, a child, a mom in nine weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. How did you how did you not break under that? Well, I think, um, you know, I first off, you know, reached out to people and, I, and I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think Jesus and counselors are great together. I think we need both. I, <laughs> yes, I'm not, and so I've heard some people say things about therapists. I, I think it's a great idea. I, I reached out to several, went to several. Um, but and not, not just to sound super spiritual, but I, I would say that literally God gave me a grace to walk in that moment that it's almost like I could tell you whenever it lifted, um, whenever, you know, not, I don't mean God, but I mean, like it was a, I needed it for a moment. And when I was able, it took me about a year and a half. And I mean, I pastored through this, preached through this. I never stopped pastoring. Uh, looking back, um, I probably should have done things a little different. Um, because this happened so quickly, people wanted to, to grab me and I'm not saying this to brag. It's just, they, they wanted me to go tell my story. So right. within a short amount of time, um, I preached at a big church in Oklahoma city. I I went to Columbia, South America. By the end of the year, I'd gone to Turkey and preached. So uh, looking back, I did a lot of stuff and probably, um, I should have, uh, honestly. And I, I mean, it, I recovered great through it, but I just, it took me a year and a half and I, and it might've been shorter if I had taken more time. I, I would give people the advice of, um, you know, if something tragic happens, just take some time for yourself yes. to think, yeah. you know. Um, but anyway, but in, in that, about a year and a half later, I felt like the fog lifted. It took me a while, but literally it had to be the strength of God. I am not a strong person. We have this guy at our church as a cowboy. He came to me one day and said, you're the strongest guy I know. And I told him, I said, man, if I saw a mouse run through my house, I'm the first one jumps up on a chair <laughs> screaming. If I see a snake, I'm going to make sure. a door. I mean, I'm not a strong person naturally. Um, and, I, and I love that for this reason, because 
my natural thing would be to run. My sure. natural, I mean, go, let me go back home. I'm going to move home. I'm going to, you know, whatever. But um, God gave me the grace. And so um, looking at it, I can say it wasn't me. It was literally the strength of God in that grace in that moment. It was still very difficult. I still had all kinds of conversations with God. Sure. It was still a healing process. It took me a year and a half, like I said, to just have the fog mentally lift where I felt like I could, I mean, I felt like I was almost, you know, I was trying to preach and those things, but I mean, it would be hard for me to even sit there very long and focus on anything. My mind was just for a year and a half, but I felt that fog lift. And at that moment I, I realized, and I, and honestly, I, this is why it's good to have people in your life that can look at you and know you. Um, I had one gentleman tell somebody else in my in my presence, we were all there, and he said that about the grace. And I, I never thought of it like that until he he told the guy, he said, I watched Justin walk under a grace, and I never thought of it that way yeah. until he said that. And then I thought, man, I'm glad that you know he's in my life because he, he saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. But looking back, I can see that God gave me this grace to be able to you know handle that, that period of time. In my Most life. people that are of a Christian background, um, we use the word grace. And a lot of times we don't even really discuss or dig, right. you know, into that, you know, we think of grace being that unmerited favor that we learned about in theology right, school. That right. sounds really nice, but right. still, what does that mean? Right, but right. that, that God gives us grace when we mess up, or, sure. you know, and that's, but we never think about grace like a coat, right? Yeah. That, he he knew what was coming and then right. gave you the strength yeah. to walk through that. I pray every day through my body and I right. love praying for my legs. Yeah. And I declare every day that I'm not walking in my strength today. I can't stand in my strength. Right. There are things coming today that I got to have your strength, Lord. Right. And, and that's, that's that grace that we're talking about yes. yeah. to get us through something. And if you're listening today and maybe you feel like your life has gone off the rails. Like what Justin is talking about. Maybe there's a dream inside of you that died mm -hmm. and, um, uh, you just don't know, uh, what to do. Maybe, maybe you've lost someone. Maybe you've lost like Justin, you've lost a partner. Um, I want you to know about the God I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, um, a piece of chiseled stone. I'm not talking about a rules and a regulations God. I'm talking about a God who is masterful at bringing dead things back to life. Yeah. And um, when we have these suddenly moments, yes, we've got to get healthy mentally and physically, but man, our spirit, we find out the strength inside of us at that point. And I know Justin, you might not think you're strong, but I can tell you those of us in my circle that stood on the outside and watched, that's exactly what we use to describe you. Just amazed at uh, the strength that you displayed. Um, you never publicly cursed God. You, I mean, you just didn't do all those things that so many other people, when they face hardship, wind up doing. Yeah. And yet in the midst of that season of death, at some point, you had to start dreaming again about love. Sure, I did. And, and let me say one thing. One of the things that uh, I meant to mention this earlier, but two things that got me through that, two scriptures that kind of helped me, because this deals with people that, Job, Job says at one point, I looked forward and I didn't see you. I looked mm -hmm. behind you and I didn't, I didn't see you. My right and left. So he's saying, God, I don't know where you're at. And I think that's going back to the honesty that this scripture was really the first scripture that I, um, I, I actually read it at my wife's funeral. 
because it was the I scripture that, that got me through. And it was this, this idea of God, I don't know where you're at. And I was being honest, God, I have no idea. I can't see your hand in this. It doesn't make sense. But then Job doesn't stop there because we would be mm-hmm. hopeless if we stopped. But Job says, but he know the way, he knows the way that I take. And when I come through this, I will come through pure as gold. And, um, my mantra at the time was I choose joy because joy is a faith choice, you know, right. and, and I had to wake up and choose that. There was days I didn't want to get out of bed. Um, the depression was real, you know, in my, in my heart and my life. Once again, that fog I was under, there was depression. There was days I didn't want to go to the church. I mean, I'm the pastor. I didn't want to show up, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I had to believe that but the other scripture I held on to was Psalms where David said, I believe I could see the goodness of, I would have given up except I could, I believed I could see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the, land living. Of the living. So I chose to say, okay, God, I don't understand, but I believe you're still good. Even though it doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. you're still good. And yet it took me, about three years to open myself up to being willing to date again, um, being willing to, you know, think about that because I just, you know, it wasn't, I don't know. I think it's just one of those things where, you know, it's not that I'm nervous that the person is necessarily going to, pa- another person is going to pass away, but it's just like opening yourself back up to that. And by this time I was older, um, you know, I was 37 years old, whatever. So I was older by this time. Um, but we're the same thing happened. Um, I said, okay, God, I got serious in 20, uh, once again, I got to remember my dates, 2018 in January, we always start off the year with 21 days of prayer and fasting mm-hmm. and those kind of things. So, um, we were praying and I said, okay, Lord, one of my bigger prayer was I'm, I'm ready. And, but once again, you got to help me. I, I don't know what to do. I mean, you know, um, now I'm even older. So, you know, this is, I mean, I'm not. 33 anymore, whatever. I'm, you know, I'm 37 years old, whatever it was. So I need your help. And, uh, the same kind of thing happened. I had invited, there's a church in Oklahoma city. I had invited, um, their worship team down on a Sunday night to do a night of worship for us. And, uh, this young lady, it was weird. Uh, the, the, the guy that passed her before me has sons. And one of them is a well-known, um, sports guy here in Oklahoma city. And uh, he had gone to a, a church in Norman, and this young lady had gone there and helped the children's pastor and met this family, became friends with them. And so that same January, when I'm praying, God, you know, help me. I mean, I, I need your help. She goes to, to lunch with this guy's wife and some other ladies she knew. And the guy's wife said, have you ever heard of Justin Blankenship? And she said, no. And uh, come to find out we're friends on Facebook. Have no idea how we became friends on Facebook. <laughs> Um, and so I give her a hard time. She stopped me on Instagram and said something. <laughs> and I looked at it on Instagram. I thought, I think I'm friends with her on Facebook. I always thought she was beautiful on Facebook, but at one time she was dating. So uh, in those three years, I had seen her picture, mm-hmm. but I didn't think anything about it. So anyway, uh, we met in, I think it was April, actually. Um, and one of the things, you know, God tells Job, I'm going to restore to you everything you lost. Mm-hmm. And I know that's kind of a, can turn into a cliche sometimes. Sure. But I really... I wasn't reading Job whenever in 2016, so it was a year later that I was just flipping through the Bible and I saw that. And the Lord spoke to me that day and said, I I promise you I'm going to restore things to you. And so I meet this young lady and uh, we, you know, hit it off. She came to visit the church. We go on a date. You know, everything goes well. And uh, we start dating and we were engaged um, by August or September, I think September, she, she'll get, I'll get in trouble for not remembering that date. But anyway, we got engaged. And then October 20th, 
of 2018, um, we got married. And I, I will say this, um, she is my reward. Yeah. I believe that with all my heart, that God, whenever I, we married, God said, this is your reward for everything you've gone through. I'm going to, I'm going to reward you. And, uh, I thought I was scared about having a kid at 33 years old and being old. And um, instead, I had one at 39 years Come old. Come on, Abraham. <laughs> I am telling you. And uh, I had one at 39 years old. And so I've got a 14-month-old that I'm chasing around. I'm now 40, and I'm chasing him around. Um, but let me, I'll say this. I don't even know if, I mean, we just, we, we got off Facebook for a few weeks this year. So we didn't make, we weren't, we, weren't, we didn't privately, we announced it at church, but we didn't say anything on social media. But me and my wife now actually just walked through this same thing a couple weeks ago. Um, I didn't even know she was trying. She was found out, you know, she'd taken home Mm -hmm. pregnancy tests kind of thing. But she didn't want to tell me until she knew for sure. Sure. And so anyway, um, she actually ended up going to the ER and not feeling well, goes to the ER and found out she was pregnant, but then there was something wrong. So she comes home and has to tell me this right now with COVID, you can't both go into the ER together. So anyway. So tells me, you know, I, I was pregnant, but I'm I'm not something's wrong. So we go to the doctor and they do an ultrasound, can't find anything. Um, and then so anyway, so then all of a sudden, you know, this is happening, you can't find anything. They they actually gave her medicine instead of a DNC. If the right. medicine didn't work, she was gonna have to take a have a DNC. So you got all these feelings. At the exact same time, my dad is put in the hospital with COVID and pneumonia. So I'm like you know, Lord, I, mean, I didn't know uh, that about yeah, brother. Blank, yeah, he, yeah. He was put in the hospital for about three days. Um, his oxygen would not get above 90. So they put him in, it was a local hospital. He wasn't on a ventilator or anything like that, yeah. but he did have to go to the hospital. He had pneumonia and COVID. So, you know, all these thoughts come back in your mind, sure. you know, uh, you know, number one, you did, we did lose a child. And then you're wondering, you know, because we don't know exactly, I don't know. I don't know exactly what happened, but it, anyway, the way the pregnancy worked, it just, it was a, uh, they call it, I think, a topical pregnancy or something like that. But anyway, but I mean, she miscarried. And so that happens. And then you wonder, is she going to have to have a surgery? And then mm-hmm. your dad's sick. And, you know, it's, it, it, the enemy can come in and begin to bring all these things. But um, I watched uh, my wife, Sarah, just really, I mean, have a grace on her through this. And I've seen even growth in the last few weeks through this with her. Um, but it's been amazing how, you know, she's already ministered to people through this. That She put on Facebook even last night what happened. And immediately a girl in our community reached out to her and said, I had the exact same thing happen this last week. And um, thank you for being, thank you for being honest and sharing this. And so, um, you know, but anyway, she's fine. My dad's out of the hospital. He's good. Um, but I, I'll, I'll say that Sarah and Benjamin is our son. He is my reward. They are my reward. And, um, you know, just, I just know that God is, God has been faithful that I'll, God has been faithful through this. And, um, I've seen, you know, things turn around and I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I walked through the depression and the, the, you know, sometimes anger and hurt and all that stuff that happened. But if you keep walking through that, I've come out on the other side and I can say that now that I, you know, it took a while. This is not, once again, this has been six years ago. So this is not a, this is not just an overnight thing, but when you walk through that and I think for me, it was once again, I'm not saying I I always thought and there was days I questioned and I said, why? So it wasn't like I wasn't ever angry at God or mad that it, that it happened, but I can say on the other side of things, I can look back now and I can see God doing things that I never thought were possible and how God's brought, you know, um, Sarah and Benjamin in my life. And, um, honestly, I can say this point in my life. And once again, 
None of us know what's going to happen tomorrow. I get that. But I can say today, I never thought I would be in the place I'm in today. I never thought it was possible. I never thought I would be at a place of loving somebody again in, in even greater ways because I've been married now for a lot longer. Mm-hmm. You know, before I was married 12 weeks. So now I've been married over, you know, almost two and a half years and just being able to enjoy life with this, you know, my best friend and, and enjoy life. Now we have a son that is the joy of our life. He lights up the room when oh, he yeah. shows up. And so all that stuff, it's amazing how God has walked through that and the, and, and the faithfulness of God. All that. Well, I know, I remember one time that uh, Shandra and I, the first time we met Sarah was at a famous pizza joint yeah. that I'll talk about in a moment, but yeah. uh, there in Purcell. And uh, I remember when we got in the car after having dinner with you guys, Shandra and I uh, looked at each other and we were like, man, she's a great gift to him. Yeah. You know, and yeah. uh, just so happy mm-hmm. and hopeful. Right. And then, of course, you guys wind up getting married and she is... Um, you know, you never know what is, again, I said it earlier, you never know what's in someone until it's pressed out. Right. Right. And, um, how, how you guys have been able to maintain this and yet not pull away from God, um, be honest. Right. You know, so far, uh, I want to remind everybody what we've kind of been talking about today. Number one, if you're going to get through these suddenly moments where things just happen unexpectedly, man, Justin said, you got to be honest with your pain. Be honest with yourself that you're in pain and that you're hurting. And then, uh, but even in the midst of that, you've got to find a way to keep your hope in God, regardless of the challenges that you're walking through. Um, I think as Christians, I I think we need to learn to ask God to give us, um, in our family, we call it a standing word. Mm -hmm. Um, Just just that word that God gave you out of Job that that, uh, you were able to hold on to through everything. Um, but there's a, I have a belief system that, um, and your story proves it out to be honest with you, Justin, that the things that hurt you mm. are the things that God will use to heal you. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and so, uh, you know, life took love and a child, right. And yet it took you being open to love again, right. To heal you. Yeah. And so yeah. many people, they experience pain. And then they shut down and they, they wall themselves up to try to insulate themselves from hurting again. Right. And yet that's not, I mean, that's there for a while. We all need to heal personally. Sure. But at some point we've got to venture back out again to the very areas that hurt us. If we're ever really going to be healed. Right. Right. Yeah. I agree. I think just being willing to, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's number one. I mean, uh, for like me specifically dating in general and especially as you get older is just hard, you know, in general, just, I mean, it's just kind of a weird thing, but open yourself up to the very thing that did bring pain before, um, you know, and then once again, when you, and, it, and then when things happen and you, and you wonder, okay, is this going to happen again? Whenever, you know, something happens like you did recently, I, I think part of it is though, it's just really, I know this is cliche sounding, but it's trusting God that God, you understand some things I don't understand. I can look back now and say that, that I, I can see some things he, 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 he did. Um, one thing is, and I would never, I didn't want anybody to pass away to make this happen. I don't mean that, but, um, I can say all the years that I was in church and all the years that I, you know, grew up in church and preached, but I didn't have empathy for people the way I probably, I didn't understand it. It wasn't mm-hmm. I went on purpose. But um, my compassion level, I love people, and I would walk through them through difficult times, but um, I never could really relate to things. And I'm very careful. I don't ever go up to somebody and say, I know what you're going through. Because like you said earlier, pain, I love what you said earlier, pain is relative in the sense that 
Um, you know, somebody, I've had a lot of people tell me, well, I've not walked anything like you have, but what you walk through is just as painful to you as what I walked through is painful mm-hmm. to me. So that, so what you said earlier was great um, in that, but part of it is, you know, understanding, okay, God, you're, you're faithful through this. And even though it's painful and it's difficult that I'm trusting for me, it, it, it opened me up to have a ministry that I would never have otherwise. Once again, I'm not glad that things happen for that, but I do want God to get the glory out of this. And I think it helped me to be able to see people's pain. And and so I think part of it is too, when we go through something saying, okay, God, I don't, I'm not glad it happened, but how can how can we use this for your glory? Right. And I think that's part that's part of healing too. When you've been able to like like sharing today, and when I've been able to share, um, I go on Monday nights to a rehab center and speak, and uh, that was literally like my therapy in a lot of ways. I would go out there and. At a, ther- at a rehab place, I can say things probably in a little different than I say the pulpit kind of right. thing, you know. And so um, I would just be raw and honest with those guys, and that was healing to me. And so I think it, it, finding a safe place to be able to talk to people and say things, um, you know, I think we all need that kind of thing to heal. Well, if you're listening today and you feel like you're in the midst of one of these unexpected moments, um, I want you to know that God is in those unexpected moments with you. You're not alone. Even if you feel like you are, you're not. And um, I'm sitting across the desk from a young man who I watched personally walk through a devastating season and yet held on to the things that he believed in the most and they proved to be valuable to him. And um, I want to talk about something else in a minute, but uh, um, Justin, I, I first time we've ever done this on, on the Renewed You podcast, I want you to pray for people today. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Father, we just thank you. Uh, Lord, what I've learned through all of this is that you never leave us and you never forsake us, that you're right there with us. And so, Father, for people listening right now, whatever loss they've suffered in their life um, and as difficult as life is, Father, I just pray right now that you would strengthen them, help them to know they are not alone. Father, they may be listening to this by themselves right now and, and wondering, God, where are you at? Where are my friends at? And Father, through this, help them to understand they are not alone. You are with them. You are with them in this journey. And Father, I just pray for healing to take place. That's what you want. You want to make us whole. You want to put us back together the way you created us to be. So Father, as we open ourselves up and say, Lord, do your work in our lives, I just pray that people right now would feel uh, your healing inside of them. Lord, taking care of them and loving them through this. And Lord, we do pray. I thank you not just for physical healing, but Father, today I'm praying for emotional healing, for wounds of the past, things that have happened, people that have hurt us, maybe the church that has hurt us, whatever it is. And Father, today we open ourselves up to you, and we just thank you for your strength, and I just thank you for ministering to people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Listen, I want you to find out more about Justin and his ministry in Landmark Church. We're going to put links in the description of this podcast, but um, if you want to find out more about Landmark. You can go to landmarkchurchok.com. They are in the south part of the Oklahoma City Metro in Purcell. But Justin, we have a few minutes left. I want to shift gears because you're also involved in something that I'm involved in. Talk just just for a minute or two about the Women's Center, the Hope. Oh yeah, Hope Center. Man, that's um, 
it's been a great bright spot for our church. I'll just say this briefly. Years ago, I always wanted to bring a women's center. I said earlier I speak at a men's center. Didn't want to compete with them, but I felt like our community could use. Small towns in America have been hit hard by the drug epidemic. And there's an old country song, I think Tim McGraw or something saying it, but it's either drugs or Jesus. That's your choice <laughs> in a small town. Yeah. And so, I mean, our towns have been hit hard by this. So I want us to be the solution to the problem, not just gripe about the problem let's be a solution so anyway long story we i wanted to bring a women's center but it was so hard to try to do it ourselves because when you have to raise money and all this stuff the 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 house and everything so i've found hope center ministries um i'd actually met the the founder of it years ago at a youth camp when i preached 20 years ago and uh so i knew him um went out to tennessee just for two days visited four of them came back said that's the way uh, we want to do it um, we had to raise money to do it, and uh, that's another miraculous story for another time. But God, what was should have taken us probably a year to raise the money. God did it in six weeks' time. And so now we have a women's center, and it, it's called the Purcell Hope Center. We have, uh, they told me yesterday, 23 women there. And so we work with our court system. Uh, there was a young lady told me the other day that actually two days a week they come in the church and do volunteer some stuff. So I was talking to one of them, just introducing myself, and um, she literally uh, was on a road trip. Um, because of the pandemic, this guy said, you want to go on a road trip? She said, sure, let's go. He, she gets in the car with him, takes off driving. He gets arrested in Oklahoma. They're from North uh, United States, get arrested in Oklahoma, and he's got drugs, trafficking. She gets thrown in jail, and uh, it's going to be there for a really long time. Uh, she, in the cell with her was a young lady who started our Hope Center and didn't complete it. She left, got back in trouble, and she told this other lady, you need to contact them, got a hold of our Hope Center, and the director of our Hope Center was able to work with judges and get her um, to our Hope Center. So now, instead of the taxpayers paying for her to be in jail, in prison, and be in that environment, she's in our Hope Center for a year. If she completes it, then it will it will change her whole sentencing structure. And so anyway, um, we have another young lady that's homeless in Florida, heard about the Hope Center, called. She's here now. So just amazing testimony. So I, I am sorry to, I, I'm passionate mm-hmm. about Hope Center. I love transformation, and it's changed our church. These women come in, and man, they are doing worse they they are so excited just to be there so it has literally changed um, the whole atmosphere of our church and changed our community because um, people are coming getting off drugs and everything well if you have listened to this podcast in the past you'll recognize the term hope center because uh, chris drake was one of our guests early on who was he's heavily involved in hope center and um if you want to find out more about Hope Center Ministries, you can go to hopecm.com. But uh, I am passionate about it from the men's side Mm -hmm. because I think manhood is being destroyed. Right. Um, And so our hope at New Life Church is to be the South Oklahoma City Church for a Hope Ministries as well. And so I just love what you're doing. One of the guys that I met in the Hope Center here in the Metro his sister was at yours mm. in Purcell. So um, it's a great thing that the church is getting involved and not just talking about, you know, we, we've got to really, really grab a hold of this. Jesus did not just come to save us from fire. Right. You right. know, he right. didn't just come to, to give us eternity. He came right. to give us the best life that he's designed for us to experience here. And it's time for that the church 
get get over just speaking spiritually, but let's get physical with sure. this thing and help people change their life and experience uh, what God really, really wanted them to experience. Yeah. One of the things about the Hope Center I love is because they, when these people get out of here, uh, get out of the Hope Center, they have jobs. We've had three, we've, we've been open a little over a year, November, last November was a year, but we've had three graduates that actually completed the entire program. And, uh, part of them that literally one girl is the manager of a heat and air place over an office in Oklahoma. I mean, in uh, more Norman area. Um, another one is at an RV place working her way up. I mean, they, they leave with job skills and it's the same thing you're talking about. We want, we're actually looking at right now, putting some houses. So when they move out, they have somewhere to go for a little bit of time. But I love the fact that you're equipping these people, not just spiritually, they're getting saved and baptized and that kind of stuff in in this. Right. But also, you're giving them the tools, the structure that they need to not run back to an old life, but to realize they're a new creation in Christ. He's renewing all of you. And then now, here's the tools that you've been given to provide for your family. And so anyway, I agree. I think it's a holistic approach to ministry. That I love that. Well, buddy, I have so much respect for you, first of all. I love you. And uh, I'm just, I'm thankful that you were on with us today. I hope this podcast has been an encouragement to you. I want to remind you that uh, wherever you are, in whatever way that your life is going, God has designed you for a great purpose. And work hard to become the person you want to be. Get healthy mentally. Get healthy spiritually. Get healthy physically. Because the world deserves a renewed you. Justin, thanks for being with me today. Thank you, man. Enjoyed it very much. God bless everybody. We'll see you next time on Renewed You.